There's been a lot of talk, Will, a lot of talk about the OnePlus 7 Pro, obviously. Brand new smartphone. Big surprise. It's, uh, you know, they finally delivered something you can buy, something for the masses, bezel-less, like, or very small bezels, no notch. The no notch future, I think, it just got a lot more legitimate, a lot more potentially feasible because OnePlus, a name brand, so to speak, has delivered that product. Now, I talked a lot about the idea of a bezel-less design in the past when it seemed like it would never happen. And then this is, this is the closest for a phone that I would use on a daily, pop the SIM in, this is it. It happened. And it's actually kind of surprising it's OnePlus who did it first. Of course, obviously, we know they're part of a bigger conglomerate. It's kind of a rework of an Oppo device, to be honest, if we're being completely transparent here. But still, it's kind of surprising that OnePlus is going to be the first phone in my pocket in a daily driver kind of way with no notch, no cutout, no hole punch. It wasn't Samsung that did it. It wasn't Apple that did it. It was OnePlus that did it. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of cool. Now, because they went for this particular design, because they're being ambitious, obviously, in this department, it means there's a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about this front-facing camera, which, of course, still has to exist, still has to function. People want to take selfies. People also still might want to unlock their phone with their face or talk on Skype, video conference, and whatnot. So... The front-facing camera, it's motorized. It's gotten a lot of attention from Unbox Therapy viewers. I got hit up on Twitter quite a few times. What's the deal, Lou, with this front-facing camera? Should I be concerned? Is this a point of concern? Should I be worried about having moving parts on my smartphone? Uh, should I be looking at a, a hole-punch design, a Galaxy S10e instead? But as you're showcasing here on the screen, Will, apparently... The OnePlus 7 pop-up camera rated to slide up and down 300,000 times, which is a crazy figure. You could do the math for yourself, figure out how frequently you would see yourself using this pop-up camera and then divide that by 300,000 and you could figure out how long it's going to last you. It's a crazy number. Another thing they baked in, the, the, the camera, it extracts... It goes back in. I made the Ninja Turtles joke upstairs. It goes back inside of its enclosure there if the device is dropped. And they claim it has some degree of dust resistance, anti-dust mechanism, to keep everyday dust and dirt out of your OnePlus 7 Pro. So OnePlus, they've thought about this. They've heard the criticisms around motorized cameras, moving parts, and so forth. And they have addressed it in their marketing material here trying to trying to tell people trying to convince people not to be concerned about durability on the OnePlus 7 Pro because it is going to be a big question it's probably the biggest question I've faced personally here and on Twitter quick shout out to my Twitter I'm taking more questions there now the Twitter account is Lou Later for those of you that are following me on Unbox Therapy for this show and sort of the personal Twitter account is becoming Lou Later so 
uh, welcome to everybody who jumped over there recently and followed, and you can go do the same right now if you want to participate in these convos. You can also provide story ideas. If there's things you want me to cover on Lou Later, you can tweet them at me at Lou Later. Anyway, uh, I had a couple of tweets come at me about this particular subject, this particular topic, and specifically a video that OnePlus released, a 12-hour-long video, Motor Aging. OnePlus 7 Pro front, front camera 12-hour stress test. It's only got 215,000 views right now. Kind of reminiscent of the Galaxy Fold test that we published. We opened and closed the Galaxy Fold 1,000 times. Now, 1,000 is nothing compared to the 300,000 rating that apparently this OnePlus device has been tested for. Anyway, in this video, it is 12 uncut hours of this camera going up and down. Very exciting. And Will's fast forwarding here, as I'm sure 99% of the viewers did. If you made it through these 12 hours, I'm not sure uh, if you're healthy. Or maybe you're healthier. Maybe you're healthier than I am if you can put yourself through that torture. Some type of meditation, possibly. So in this particular test, it looks like the camera goes up and down, what, 11,000 times? Uh, 12,000 times in this video and 30,000 times in its total aging. So the device must have already had some ups and downs going into this particular test. So OnePlus is willing to show you 12,000 ups and downs uncut to try to encourage you to believe in their durability marketing material. Now, they went one step further as well. I think people really need to see this because this is cool. I found this article on petapixel.com. And OnePlus shared uh, some other images here that were published on this website of a concrete block at 49.2 pounds, 22.3 kilograms, a cement block, being held up by nothing more than the camera pop-out, the pop-out camera on the OnePlus 7 Pro. That's an incredible image. And uh, I think it kind of convinces me a little bit. It makes me feel a little more confident in the construction, in the mechanism. It's kind of a wild thing to see. It doesn't snap off even with 50 pounds or close to 50 pounds on it. But here's the thing, Will. Here's the thing about this. This is not really the question that people are asking. You see, phones, they go in our pockets, Will. You know that? Where do you put your phone? Pocket. Told you. And our pockets, they're full of different stuff and junk. And they get banged around a little bit and jostled. And phones, they get thrown on tables. They, uh, I mean, we live with them. They are these items that we live with. And you have to know that these devices being tested for OnePlus's marketing material, even within their, within their facility, their factory, they're going to be in optimal condition. They're going to be new phones being tested up and down. And there's only so many types of movements and tests where you can automate the human experience or attempt to automate the human experience. It's not useless. It's good. That's how you have to do it in an industrial setting, trying to manufacture something. You know that, Will. We did the factory tour. Mm -hmm. You were there. Yeah. It's wild, man. It's so hard making things as hard, especially making durable things things that are going to last it's hard and we know for a fact that oneplus they do they do extensive testing absolutely i do not dispute that but the question 
regarding the functionality of this front-facing camera isn't so much about whether it can open and close 300,000 times in an optimal setting. It's more, how is it going to deal with the jostling of life? The ups and downs, getting slammed every so often. Accidentally, of course, you would never do that on purpose. And also coming in and out of the pocket, getting chucked in the car. Are things going to become dislodged? Are things going to become, are they going to work less optimally than they did previously? Is, is the mechanism itself going to be as smooth as it was previously? These are the real questions that people have. And of course, OnePlus can only do so much to address those concerns. The product needs to be out in the world first to see what percentage of people can potentially bump into issues with this. And you would never put that in the marketing material. Obviously, you're trying to sell the thing. I mean, that's your job, right? You're trying to sell the thing. So when it comes to durability for something like this, because this is sort of the first big, from a YouTube perspective, from a, from a North American tech YouTuber perspective, this is the first big daily drive type smartphone with this mechanism. Some SIM cards are going to be in these devices and we're finally going to have our test out. They're not just with us, people like me and you, but also the end user. They're going to be putting this thing through its paces. And if it, if it doesn't fly or starts to encounter problems quickly, uh, we're going to hear about it on social media, on Twitter, and so forth. So I'm not telling you not to buy the device. I'm just saying the type of test necessary to really get to the bottom of that, if you're apprehensive about moving parts within your smartphone, the real test is you, if you're willing to be the test subject, or time. You're going to have to wait for this thing to be in real hands, real pockets, real cars, real floors, real night stands, bedside tables, real tables at the cafe, real life, Will. It's the ultimate test. Real life. There's nothing better. Though someone tried to tell me Game of Thrones was realer than real life. Which was, uh, that was a tough one, tough pill to swallow right there. I didn't know what they were talking about. I, was like, I never experienced such a thing. I never experienced realer than real life, you know? Though there's a lot of experiences to be had on the planet, and I'm just getting started. So we'll see where that goes. My perception could change. But anyhow, real life, the ultimate test for a smartphone. And the one thing we also have to say is that because this has moving parts, we do need to take the IP situation into consideration. If you're a very clumsy person, if there's a potential to get moisture on your device, I mean, just the fact that the thing can come up and down, there's got to be space in there, some kind of space. Now, can you tell me, there is no official IP rating on this device, right? Not that we're aware. I don't think aware. so, no. What happens if you type OnePlus 7 Pro IP rating? Because we weren't told about it. It wasn't in the review materials, in the review guide. Water resistance controversy. Two days ago, no IP rating, no problem. Interesting. So uh, this individual, TrustedReviews.com, is making the argument it's no big deal. Uh, essentially saying we, can't get the, we don't have the IP rating, but you can, you can dunk it anyway. We've seen this in the past with iPhones prior to them having the official IP rating where did you just type dave 3d instead of 2d who knows what you might have come up with what's the 3d dave looking like yeah dave 2d he put it underwater as well but he didn't open the camera he didn't open the camera so and i'm not sure you would want to do that but again that would be an unlikely circumstance in which you would drop your phone in the toilet with the camera open because the camera 
goes back when it senses it's being dropped. Obviously to protect against something like this, but at the same time, giving up the opportunity to have a typical IP rating just because the, the way that testing obviously operates is if the potential for penetration exists, you can't get the IP rating. Even if they've done some things to try to avoid the penetration from happening, including the camera retracting upon a drop or a fall. Anyhow, what I've said remains true as far as I can tell, as far as I can say, that if, if you're apprehensive, you deserve to be. That's your right to be apprehensive about this. It's a new technology. It's not a thing that, for example, has been in smartphones for 10 years. And if you expect to hold on to this thing for a while and you're an apprehensive type of buyer, less of an early adopter, wait it out, man. Wait it out. Let this thing live a little bit in the real world and see what people are saying. You know, I'm going to tell you about it because that's what I do. I aim to get to the bottom of it. I work for you. I am employed by you directly. And so therefore, I take that role seriously. And if I can, uh, if I discover anything happening either with my device or on social media in general, it's going to be here on the channel and you're going to know. So if you're apprehensive, if that's your style, then uh, wait it out. But I will say, I personally, from a hardware perspective, software perspective, I've had good experiences with OnePlus products in the past. I visited their facility. I see the way that they test things. I have no reason to believe that anything they're saying is untrue. And it's also equally likely that there will be no problems encountered or that the problems themselves won't be significant or across the board completely. And so, therefore... If you are an early adopter type, you want the freshness, you want the new stuff. Uh, this is, Will's showing a clip right now of the trip that I took to the manufacturing facility actually in Shenzhen for OnePlus. It was amazing, amazing to see behind the scenes like that. But anyhow, it's, it's within your right to be one of those two people in one of those two camps. The apprehensive individual, they've got a case. They can wait it out the early adopter, the tech enthusiast, the individual who wants to be on the bleeding edge, the cutting edge. You can buy this thing too with relative confidence. OnePlus products have been good before and likely this one will be too. And I think it's probably my most confident move so far into any form of retractable camera situation. So my SIM card will go in and we're gonna see what's what, Will. Now you have one more story Relating to the OnePlus 7, uh, the Pro isn't alone. Meet the OnePlus 7. So this was my question. When I first heard from OnePlus about them sending out the OnePlus 7 Pro, I was like, wait a second, where's the 7? We got this Pro designation. What are you trying to do? You Complicated marketing. The 7 is a real thing. It's just a bit confusing because it's not going to be sold in certain markets. For all the details, the short version is this. It's cheaper. So in the UK, the OnePlus 7 is 500 British pounds compared to 649. It's smaller and way less fancy. It'll have a teardrop notch instead of a pop-up camera, but it'll still have an AMOLED display and uh, presumably with the same inky blacks and vibrant colors. Those are the Verge's words, not mine. It'll also have the same top-end specs, Snapdragon 855, up to 8 gigs of RAM. Okay, so that's a little bit less than the potentially 12 gigs you can spec out on the Pro model. Still very odd to me. 
battery's a little smaller as well, 3,700 milliamp hours. And uh, the 90 hertz screen, you won't be getting that either. What to, why not release the 7 in North America alongside the Pro? What's the problem there? You don't want to provide the option. Or do you expect that the customer here, maybe they did some market research. Maybe the customer in North America is prepared to spend the premium associated with the Pro model. It's quite possible. Either way, the 7 is going to be exclusive to certain markets. It's a little bit more 6T-ish. And I actually think I heard some 6T owners are a little bit upset with the existence of this one. They just bought the 6T and whatnot. But if you are trying to avoid the pop-up camera, but you want the Snapdragon 855 and you love uh, OnePlus software, maybe you could import one of these things. There's no reason it wouldn't work. So maybe you can import one of these things. Uh, there you can see there's even certain colors exclusive to China and India, mirror gray and red. So obviously this device will be sold there as well. But North America not getting the love on the OnePlus 7 front. You got to go pro or go home. It's obviously the cooler device. So I'm not too upset about it. But it would have been nice to have a couple different price options, especially considering the OnePlus origin story as far as offering up value for money. Uh, to have a lower price point associated with a different SKU, I think would have been appreciated by customers even in North America. But I'm sure there's some deep strategy associated with that. They probably felt some of those buyers would opt for the higher margin device, the pro device, in the absence of the non-pro option. So they probably did the math and they're like, look, we got to cash in here. We got to give them the pro because the other buyers will step up. They'll spend the few extra. Either that or maybe it's a volume thing. Maybe they need to meet certain volume on the pro model and therefore they can't make the non-pro model available in every single market. Who knows? We're diving deep. We're looking into it. You know, that's just what we're talking about. It's a lot of speculation as to why this might be the case. But just so you know, there is a OnePlus 7 in existence. It just might be a little harder for you to get if you don't live in certain markets. Now, staying on a topic of smartphones real quick. Then we're going to move on to other stuff. I know not everybody is super deep in the smartphone universe or as deep as others. So one more smartphone story, and then we're going to move it along. Two major Apple suppliers take big hits as iPhone sales stumble. This is a CNBC article, and the report is using data from uh, various surveys. And apparently Foxconn and Japan Display are reporting some disappointing financials. Foxconn sales dipped 17.7% first quarter 2019. And Japan Display is down as well, 17.2%. They claim the problem is OLED displays. Uh, they were making the traditional LCD stuff. And that's, I mean, no one, no flagship is looking at LCDs anymore. And customers want OLED, so... That's a that's a pretty obvious outcome there. If uh, if your if your company is focused solely on LCDs, Japan Display is asking for 1,000 employees to retire early by the end of the second quarter. They're telling people to go home, take a nap. Well, <laughs> how do you feel about that? You ready to retire early or what? Oh, Will, I'm sorry, no one's watching the Lou later videos. I'm gonna have to ask you to retire early. Yeah. That's, that'll be a sad day. 
So Prefer if you guys keep watching these, these videos, you can you can save Will from early retirement, though I'm not so sure he wouldn't enjoy it. Him and Otis just uh, sitting in the breeze there. huh? Off into the sunset, as they say. Yeah, so that's always an option. Anyway, the global slowdown in phone sales, you heard me talk about it. It's happening. Uh, many people believe it's the whole premium concept, the idea that phones need to be as expensive as they are, and they are very expensive. $1,000 plus, there's lots to choose from in that marketplace now. Uh, and so people are holding on to phones longer. Apparently, iPhone owners, for example, are holding on to phones for three or four years based on research from IDC. Uh, they also said that 2018 was the worst year ever for smartphone sales with shipments falling 4%. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it's this indication of a slowdown in the marketplace. And this is what makes devices like the Pixel 3a interesting. Can this trend be turned around through lower price points? Can you convince people to upgrade more frequently if you can hit them with actual affordable smartphones, 300, 400 bucks? Obviously, Whoa. In some markets, places like India, that's commonplace, those price points. But here in North America, we really haven't experienced it, not from the big players. Yeah, I, I just saw an article today. Um, Samsung selling 5 million Galaxy A phones in India. Yeah. That's a lot of phones. So that, uh, that's a lower price point product. Yep. The new A phones range in price from 75 bucks to $410. Of course, that's USD equivalent. Mm -hmm. In Indian rupees, that's 5,300 up to 29,000. And the average selling price of around $200 USD. So obviously, India is driving the smartphone marketplace in this tier. Mm -hmm. And they're forcing manufacturers to rethink what the modern smartphone should be as far as what the specs should look like and what the price should be to match what the market can bear from a price to performance perspective. It's almost like now the product's you could make the argument, should be engineered from a price-first perspective. If price sensitivity is out there, you say, look, here's the price we need to be at, here's what the market can bear, and let's see what we can deliver from a spec perspective at that price point. That's a kind of reversal of how things have typically been, at least in the premium segment. So Samsung's benefiting from it. Other manufacturers, Xiaomi, Vivo, benefiting from targeting a different end of the marketplace we're starting to see it now in north america with phones like the pixel 3a but then you got the, the phone your phones like oneplus where they're going up market they're just going straight premium mm -hmm. like right now talking about the oneplus 7 pro you might as well be talking about an iphone you might as well be talking about a galaxy s10 right yeah. it's starting at 670 bucks right usd mm -hmm. so obviously a lower lower price point still but just getting ever so close here to like what is the distinction where does the premium smartphone live the nice thing about oneplus coming in below 700 maybe it forces the other premium guys to get closer to that particular price themselves uh, but i still think it has to come lower if we're really trying to motivate people to switch phones more frequently i mean it still gets awfully close to that one thousand dollar price point it's the reason i'm interested in the pixel 3a i understand people in other geographies They've got options in that price point. We really don't here in North America. Not in a big way. Not with a marketing push. Not with all the other pieces. And the Pixel 3a is kind of the first to say, okay, we're coming in a name brand that you recognize at $399 to start. And I've already heard that discounts are potentially underway. I think Best Buy was already doing like a $100 
discount or something like this on the Pixel, a hundred dollar gift card with the Pixel 3a. So that puts you down to $299 now for US customers purchasing, oh, at B&H, the Google Store or Best Buy. Now, of course, this is, this is exclusive to US customers, so I should be clear on that from the jump if you're getting all excited here. But this totally changes the proposition one more time for this particular product. That $100 gift card, let's get some nice headphones or something, Will. Mm-hmm. And so now you're down to an effective $299 price point for the Pixel 3a. That, that's a nice price point for what you're getting. Again, for this market specifically. I know people in India, they're mad at me. They're like, I could get a, I could get a, I could get a Xiaomi or a, a Pocophone or something like this. It's very competitive at that price point in other markets, but not so much here. The idea that you can walk into a Best Buy today, Will, in the U.S., and walk out with a Pixel 3a for $299, again, with the gift card, like if you're factoring in the gift card, that's pretty nice. I mean, you might even buy your wife a little gift. You might even jump in there and, you know, your, uh, your teenage son who's nagging you. I got to get that new Pixel. You're like, you know what? At $299, and then I pick up a little $100 gift card for whatever I want. Maybe a coffee maker or something. Hmm. It's a nice little package deal right there. So... Look at that. Google offers $150 promotional balance. And they've also got trade-in incentives. So I love it, guys. It's more for less. Who can complain? You getting more for less? It's a beautiful thing. That's why I have to keep talking about it. I know there's those of you out there. You got all the money in the world. Stop talking, Lou. I got the one. Th- iPhones, I get them every time. Leave me alone. Thousand bucks, please. Of course, there's those of you that are out there. But you see, the smartphone marketplace, we all, we all coexist. And the things that happen at the lower end of the market affect the upper end of the market, and it's a whole symbiotic situation. So I'm on the lookout for everyone. All right, and prices coming down, increases accessibility, and then that's more people getting better smartphone experiences. So, okay, that's what I do. That's what I'm aiming to do. It's one of, it's one of the goals here, all right? Cover the wide breadth of the marketplace because it affects everyone. I got another story here, Will. Did you know you can now buy the first ever one terabyte micro SD card? How wild is that? One terabyte. Oh, Otis. Otis is excited about the one terabyte micro SD card. I'm not sure how he's going to use it. Maybe he's got to store photos of his uh, dog crush because he does. He's romantically involved recently. We can't go into details. But uh, maybe he has to store a bunch of photos on his one terabyte micro SD. Uh, there's a catch. It's expensive. Obviously, 450 bucks. And they're going to do an extreme version as well. It's a SanDisk card, by the way. U3 rated. Can do 4K video. And they'll do an extreme version if you pay even more, which is twice as much. Oh, no. Sorry. Where's the price? I think you have to scroll down a little bit more. Uh, maybe the extreme one's not in this particular article. Anyway, I think the extreme one was around 550 I think I got it in front of me here. 585. So you can buy this directly at the SanDisk online store. And it's also listed on Amazon's US site, but currently unavailable for purchase. So they got the standard version at 450 and the extreme version at 585. Who is this for? You know, I've heard the argument with SD cards that you shouldn't buy these giant ones if you're an actual photographer or something like this because you're putting all your eggs in one basket. You know, Kirk, you've heard this before. Eggs in the basket. Because you used to work for, um, 
the travel company and you would go, you're capturing people's experiences. If you lose the one card, even if it doesn't break, it's just one little thing you can lose. You're not, uh, you, you haven't hedged your bets. But that hasn't stopped companies like SanDisk. Everybody wants more. That's the progression. That's technology. So we have it. One terabyte of storage inside of a tiny little micro SD. What a time to be alive. Well, can you put it in your phone? Absolutely. Yeah. So phone manufacturers have, have been, they've been saying forever that, oh, there's a, a maximum theoretical capacity for your smartphone if it has SD expansion. But of course, the cards didn't exist and they weren't affordable enough to actually match the proposition. But now it really is the case. You want to have a one terabyte smartphone? Go for it. It's, uh, it's an actual possibility. That said, <laughs> the card may cost more than your phone at that point, which gets a little weird. It gets a little squirrely. But as has been the case in the past with these types of developments, the price will come down over time. Right. Volume goes up. The price goes down. It's a beautiful thing. You end up with more. But I don't know who's storing this much data locally. It's kind of wild. Like, who is that for? I don't... What do you have? What are you storing, Well, I immediately go to phones. Yeah, yeah. I, but, but, but what do you put on a card that you have to have on, on a phone that's a terabyte? Anime or something? No. I mean, like, 4K video? I, I think that's... 4K video. Or, that could take up a lot. I mean, you know, I use Google Photos... I don't like the fact that every time I go to an old photo, it has to, you know, download it. From the web, yeah. Cloud-based stuff, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know who else, Will? Security people, like privacy enthusiasts. Right. That don't want anything in the cloud. Yeah. They could store everything, all their stuff locally. So that's a, that's a potential customer as well. Uh, obviously, these cameras have gotten better. Like you said, 4K video. There is a, there is a case to be made. Maybe a person games a lot wants to install a ton of games on an SD card or something. Mm -hmm. Some phones allow that. Others don't. Uh, but anyway, it's here. The time is now. One terabyte, uh, one terabyte micro SD cards. We don't, do we want to give them a quick throwback? You want to show them what a floppy disk is? Let's give them a quick throwback here. Because if you're as old as me and Will, then this was your version of an SD card. And this is where you stored files. And this thing is the size of, uh, what, 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 how, what would you compare that to size-wise? You know, it's the size of a birthday card. Who's even using a birthday card? <laughs> Floppy disk. And it stored a whopping, how many megabytes did that guy put on it, Will? Give us the breakdown. Was it 100? No, 880 kilobytes. An 8-inch floppy disk stored 80 kilobytes. So we don't even want to start doing math right now. I'm scared of the math. 80 kilobytes. megabytes? Oh, yeah. The next version, the three and a half inch. So the thin original floppy was 80 kilobytes. And then in 1986, IBM introduced the three and a half inch. That was the, the floppy that wasn't so floppy. And that was 1.44 megabytes. In other words, absolutely nothing. Not a single photo that you're going to take on your Pixel. Inserting it in the computer, I got to say, is pretty satisfying. Yes, correct. There's like a nice click to it, and then there's a, a really clear eject button. Yes. So, Have you seen on YouTube the floppy disk music stuff? Yes. That's pretty wild as well. What a weird, like, development. Who, who, who floppy? Will. Look what Will just typed. 
I'm not even going to repeat what Will just typed. You got to go watch the actual video if you want to see what Will. There, do the Ghostbusters theme. Cool. That's crazy. Who, who knew that these drives created so much noise? I didn't even remember it. Give us a little taste on the, on the audio there, Will. You didn't see this before, Jack? That's amazing, right? They sound like, like synthesizers. How cool is that? This is the Ghostbusters theme. You can kill it, Will. This is the Ghostbusters theme on eight floppy drives. And they're, of course, all sequenced together to create uh, this music. It's this guy's channel. I should give him a shout out. This is 2.6 million views. Mr. Solid Snake 745. Um, but that's pretty much as useful as floppy disks are in this day and age because if you're storing data on there, that's some deep, that's some deep level stuff. You're going to need a lot of disks. But the thing is, no one's going to be able to read it. It's kind of a funny thought, right? Uh, as everything becomes cloud-based and digitized, you wonder all the preppers about this EMP pulse that like breaks everything and then all of our data is stored on mediums that... Like imagine some major cataclysmic event and like 17 humans are left and all the electronic components are busted. Where's all the data? Where's our history? Where are the books, Will? Who even knows how to read them? It gets pretty wild. So maybe... Uh, Maybe the entirety of human history will have to be stored on floppy drives. And someone will have to know how to use them. I don't, what am I, what am I talking I mean, Going off topic here. Anyhow, it is interesting. We've been through so many formats. I can imagine a future in which, like a, like a dramatic movie in which you've got the data you need to solve the world's problems, but you can't find a way to read it. Like you have the disc, but you don't have the drive. Maybe this is my, one of my nightmares. Maybe I'm just recollecting on one of my nightmares. The data, the drive, no interface, mm. no way to decode, encryption, bizarre, physical encryption, just by nature of the fact that there's no way to read it. What kind of terror is this? I remember in the Jack video, uh, you know, Jack Is this had Jack video coming up two, two episodes in a row? Well, he had a bunch of VHS or something or, or beta tapes or something and then probably he DV. needed like a player to Oh play yeah, it. he had to he had to capture it. It was a, a bit of a headache, right, capturing that old stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it already is right now, and you're talking about one lifetime. Imagine all the wacky archives of information people have. And the thing is that most of the data creation of content that humans have ever made has happened in the last little while because now regular people are creating content. At least that's what they call it. Whatever it is that us people are, are creating at this point in time. But like up until recently, humans weren't making the sheer amount of data that we're making now. The average person, wait, like, oh, you take photos? Okay, you got a f- little film roll, 24 exposures, 27, I don't remember. You got this limited number of exposures and then after you're done, you print them out and everything's in the, the negatives are in the garbage, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Hard drives are a totally different story. Hard drives have gone through a similar, a similar evolution from uh, just, just like floppy drives. Where's that from? You, 
Just type just type old hard drive mainframe. Yeah, IBM old hard drive. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's the hard drive. <laughs> I mean, like we're machine. going back even further here. That's five megabytes in 1956. Five megabytes in 1956 is uh, the size of your refrigerator or two of them. Man, he, he, being a human, it's exciting, guys. It's an exciting time. You know, if you have a little bit of optimism, we've solved some pretty crazy problems. So it's easy to get down and say, uh, I don't like the, the current politics or whatever else, but, but it's pretty amazing as well when we put our minds to something, what we're able to achieve. And, uh, and this is just another example of it. One terabyte of storage in a tiny little micro SD card slot. Uh, this story comes from Jack. This is Jack's contribution. AT&T will pull popular shows like Friends from streaming competitors, says the CEO. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, when it comes to Netflix, a large percentage of the viewership that happens on Netflix is actually on licensed content from the big, from the big companies like uh, NBC and others. And it turns out that AT&T, they own Warner Media, or at least they're, they're merged together in some way. And Warner Media owns some big titles on Netflix that get a lot of viewership, Friends and ER. And apparently, in order to get Friends, Netflix paid $100 million to stream it exclusively through 2019. This blows my mind. I'm like, <laughs> people are signing up and paying, sending money to Netflix in order to watch Friends. It's like, what? That was a long time ago. What? could possibly be in there other than some nostalgia you were uh, what are you remembering a better time in your life when you were younger you had fewer gray hairs and uh your body was a little perkier is that what it is is that what you're trying to do here what are you doing going back to friends will at this point in time i mean i can't really blame you kirk admitted to doing it himself <laughs> So I can't yell at you, but apparently there's a lot of people doing this. Otherwise, why are you paying $100 million? Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. That's a powerful one. You want to go down memory lane over and over and over again. Me, I don't want to see the same thing I saw yesterday. I treat that, that stuff like uh, nuclear waste. The past, get over it. Let's go. I mean, unless you're going to learn something. I mean, the office, though. I would pay No, I don't do it. See, Will, I don't do it, man. I'm not, not looking. Classic. I don't need a warm blanket. I don't need a warm blanket. I can sleep with nothing on. You didn't know that. I don't need that warmth. I mean, sometimes I might like it. Who am I? Who am I kidding? Some, everybody reaches in there every so often. But I think some people do it a little too much in, in, in my uh, estimation here. $100 million for Friends, a show from 20 years ago or whatever it is. Anyway. They paid a lot, but it doesn't matter. They could pay anything because now that AT&T, like everyone else, has to do their streaming service. These are the subscriptions you have to have. Well, you got to have uh, Netflix. You got to have Hulu. You got to have uh, sports, if you like it. HBO. You got to have Apple's new service, TV Plus. Plus, plus, plus. People around here talking about Crave. I'm sick of hearing about it. Kirk's always bringing up Crave. Came up in a hockey locker room. People just listing off services. I'm dying. I can't take it anymore. Well, did you? Uh, where did you see that? 
Where'd you watch that show? Was it on Crave or Netflix? Uh, it was on the internet somewhere. Uh, you know? It's like it's too much already. Yeah. Anyhow. Well, they, they in this article, it says that they paid $30 million last year for it. For, for Friends. For Friends? Stay. A thirty mil, a thirty million dollar re-up. And now this year it's a hundred million. Yeah. Or next year, I should say. I feel like we're undervalued here, Will. No one's giving us thirty thirty million. We get nothing for this. We we're get not, we're ooh, not syndicated yet. Lunch money for this year. You know? We're barely hanging on. We're hanging on by a thread. Hmm. And Netflix doesn't care. AT and D they don't care. Well, we need some sort of deal like this, obviously. Apparently we just should be just making friends. We should just do a Friends remake, and it will be all set. And then Netflix will come calling. I don't know who's who. I guess... Um, uh, I, who, I, <laughs> I, I don't even know enough about these guys to say who's who. Jack, which one are you? You're Joey? Okay, Jack, who are you? We're doing the remake no, of Friends. Joey, Ross, Chandler. Okay, I'm Ross. Phoebe, Jack's Rachel. Chandler. You, that means you're... Who, who's, who's Will? One of the ladies? He's definitely the prettiest out of all of us. So The weird one. So I'll give him that. Anyway, so to go into it here, yeah, AT&T, they want some of the streaming, uh, some of the streaming love. It's the future. Cable TV, who knows where we're going. They got to go to the shareholders and say, we're, we're young. We're going after it. We got new stuff. And so they're going to have a streaming service just making your life that much more complicated. Now you got to watch all kinds of things all over the place. As of right now, licensed content from studios like Warner Media and NBC Universal made up 72% of the minutes people spent watching Netflix as of October, according to Nielsen data. So Netflix is mostly licensed content if you're looking strictly at viewership. I guess the other 30% would be originals and things like this. Uh, I'm saying, people, you got to watch some different stuff. If all, if all you're going to do is go back and watch these old shows from 20 years ago when, when you loved your life, then you're going to keep empowering these old, ancient companies. These, uh, they're going to keep creating streaming services so long as Friends remains valuable. Now they're going to take money from you left, right, and center. You watch new stuff, you'll be all set. You can, you can find something. Take a chance on a new piece of content. Maybe you'll learn something new. Instead of rehashing the past. I mean, that's just my take. But you don't have to listen to me. You could wear the warm blanket all day, just like Kirk. You go back, have a little friends moment. Yeah, I've never seen Friends No, I don't believe you. It was nostalgia for an era then. You can't watch Friends without watching the era. Same as Seinfeld or any of these things. Look, do what you gotta do in life. It's tough to get through this, this thing here. You know, you wake up in the morning. You get kicked before you're even out of bed. That's how I like to wake up. So do what you got to do. As long as you're trying, I got a lot of respect for you. Even if you got to watch Friends to make it through, then you can go for it. But anyhow, AT&T streaming service, making your life one, one, one bit more hard, more difficult. 60 plus Netflix statistics and facts and stats that define the company's dominance. What an article, Will. Yeah, I know. Netflix is huge. It's a big deal. I don't find myself actually watching that much of it anymore. I've, I've been watching a little bit of uh, Life Below Zero. 
I don't mind those type of shows. Although there are aspects that are obviously staged. But the people are cold. It's legitimately cold out there. I'll tell you that. No one's faking that. The weather is happening. I always like that. I love it when the weather is happening. Can't fake it. So they're freezing. They're hunting as well. They're really catching animals and, and all that. So I watched a little bit of that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's becoming harder to, to catch my attention. We were talking earlier about Black Mirror. Maybe when the next Black Mirror comes out, maybe they'll get me back. It's not like I'm going to cancel my subscription, but I'm just saying maybe they'll get me back in terms of getting in front of it and, and watching something. We'll see where they try to take Black Mirror this year. I'm, I'm a little worried. It's, it might get political or something. I just want it to stay. I want Black Mirror to be strictly futuristic and we'll see what they end up doing with it but maybe that'll bring me back all right i got one more will and then we're going to take some questions i believe you got some hot fire questions you describe them that way not me uh study the moon is shrinking you didn't know that will the moon is shrinking how's that make you feel sad really yep the moon is shrinking and apparently this is because the moon itself does not have tectonic plates like we do. Like we have tectonic plates here. I know you're an expert on this, so you can fill us in. <laughs> Things move. <laughs> plates move. Uh, it kind of holds the whole thing together. Whereas in the case of the moon, it's shrinking, it's wrinkling, on its surface and quakes according to an analysis of imagery captured by NASA's lunar reconnaissance orbiter. How cool is the word reconnaissance? You know? A survey of more than 12,000 images revealed that lunar basin Mare Frigoris near moon's north pole one of many vast basins long assumed to be dead sites from a geological point of view has begun cracking and shifting. Unlike our planet, the moon doesn't have tectonic plates. Instead, its tectonic activity occurs as it slowly loses heat from when it was formed 4.5 billion years ago. A billion years. Unbelievable. Anyway, it in turn causes the surface to wrinkle, similar to a grape that shrivels into a raisin. How about that? Our moon is getting shrivelly. Shriveled moon. Will, how's that make you feel? It's really sad. As a result, the moon has become about 150 feet skinnier. <laughs> the moon's on a weight loss program. The moon's been looking at Instagram too much. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on Instagram. He's looking around. He realizes he's not cut out for this. No. He's got to lose about 150 feet. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself, all right? Don't get on there. Don't, uh, what is that? Comparison is the greatest thief of happiness. You know that one? Don't get, don't do it, guys. You know? Get out there. Compete. Play the game. Play it right. Get out there. You have something to offer. I guarantee it. Play the game. Not everybody's got to score the goals, by the way. Not everybody's got to sink the Leonard basket. There's other things that happen. Intangibles. I love the intangibles. The unsung hero. Justifiably just as important as the sung hero. 
be the unsung hero. Don't Partic try to participation. Participate. Don't observe. All right. Get off Instagram. Don't shrivel up like this moon right here. What do you got for questions, Will? If you had a time machine, where would you go? And what piece of tech would you bring with? Love the show. Always leaves me wanting more after each session. Oh, thank you very much, Sammy. That's a nice comment right there encouraging brings us back personal time machine uh wow obviously a smartphone could potentially be useless depending on where you're going if you're going to the past forget it you can't plug it in if you're going to the future it's probably outdated and stupid and you're going to be made fun of for bringing it with you it would only act as an archaic representation of history maybe people would appreciate that kind of how people appreciate a painting by today's standards it's possible i would probably go to the past rather than the future you would go to the future jack jack's going to the future the future is extremely unpredictable it could be anything it could be well it could be anything but the, the problem is is that it would likely be beyond your comprehension the past Inherently comprehensible because we came from it. I would, uh, I'd probably travel back. I'd probably travel back to uh, milkshakes and cheeseburgers. You know, not a care in the world. 1955. The American dream. I'm going back to the American dream. Drive in when they come out on the roller skates. Uh, wholesome pop music. What a time to be alive. I mean, there's obviously there's bad stuff back then. The atomic era. Cars looked wild. Crazy sheet metal. Don't get in an accident. Your head turns into a cantaloupe. You know what I'm saying, Jack? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's something interesting about this era. Just the optimism in general. Some people hate this optimism. Like, how dare they be so optimistic and happy? How dare they? What were they excited about? McDonald's and milkshakes and... Let's talk about their heart attacks. Let's talk about grass-fed beef. These people didn't care about grass-fed beef. Is there something to be said for the ignorance is bliss type of thing? I mean, that's obviously part of what was going on there. Oh, it might have been. <laughs> it might have been grass-fed beef back then. Who knows? It was the beginning of many in industrial situations that we're now living with. And of course, there's bad decisions too. It's not all good. It's not all gravy. That's never the case. But just maybe it's the sense that everything is ahead of you. Maybe it's the an optimistic approach to the idea of competition the idea of doing things and making things the maker idea of it industrious industrious the entrepreneurial nature of like oh the world needs all these things let's go do all these let's make all these things let's uh let's get going it just feels like a lot of invention from that time period but not so far back that i'm like completely 
messed up. Like, you bring me back to, I don't know, medieval times. What am I doing? I'm dead in a week. You know? So what's the fun in that? They look at me, they're like, what is this? What is this meat sack? What is this membrane? This thin skin? Somebody kill that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens instantaneously. So I go back here. I share a little. I say, hey, some cool things are about to happen. I get myself one of those old school Cadillacs. I might even get in pink. You know, or seafoam green. Like the Fender guitar I used to want. Uh, Fender um, Mustang. Look that one up. Oh, first you're going to do my car. That's the seafoam green down there, actually. Look at that thing. Imagine me rolling in that. I could pick one up today, Will. A restored version of it. It's space age. That's what it was. NASA outer space dreams. No limits. Can you think it? You can live it. The Jetsons. Will he do? Can you think it? Then do it. Let's go. Can you think it? Then let's go do it. I mean, bad things happen too. So... I might be smoking cigarettes and that wouldn't be, yeah. I'm sure I would have a shortened lifespan. So it's not all good. Retrospect, hindsight, obviously. But you asked me where I was going, so I'm going to go there. I hope I can come back, though. Hope I can go temporarily. As far as tech's concerned, um, I'm going to have electricity. I'm not going to have cell towers, so honestly, a smartphone's kind of useless. Uh, maybe I'll just bring some music or something, an iPod jam-packed with music actually i got an email from a guy a modern day artisan who takes those old school ipods and upgrades the storage to modern standards so people off the grid offline can have gigantic inventories of music maybe something like that i don't know it's hard to say because you have to interact with whatever the infrastructure of, of the day is the internet isn't really what it what it is now you, have, you would have a power outlet, but you would need your device to, to function in a fairly standalone manner. So maybe something like that. Let's get to the next question, Will. We got two more. Good day, Lou and Unbox Therapy team. What is your stereotype on Australia? What kind of people do you assume we are? I've asked many people and I find it fascinating see how, seeing how people who aren't Australian perceive us. Wow. That is a question that would that'll make you think. Uh, I think Australians are pretty nice people. I know an Australian. Uh, I've known a couple Australians. Have you been to Australia? I've never been there. That's a long flight. It's kind of like Canada, weather-wise. Like the Canadian comparison comes hot. out a lot. I hear Australians say that, and I know when Australians come here, and also. My cousin spent a bunch of time in Australia and said something similar. That it's kind of a Canadian vibe. Yes, mm -hmm. we're speaking English, but we're not American, which automatically creates some synergy there. A, a similar type of experience. The like English speaking, not American. It's like the Canada, UK, Australia camp. Mm -hmm. But then they got the accent going on. We mostly just have an American accent, though some people have more of a Canadian accent. There is a Canadian accent out there. But the Australian accent, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. In New Zealand as well. So I know Australians like to play rugby. Right? They like to play 
Is that, am I stereotyping? I mean, I don't know. They have good rugby teams. Jeez, man. No. Or is it is it Australian Australian rules football? All right, so jeez, man, relax. Shrimp on the Barbie. It's all the crocodile <laughs> Dundee. These things are so offensive. That's just like the Australia that came here at one point. Uh, what else? Ah, how about this? I know Australians like coffee. And I know Starbucks didn't do as well as they expected in Australia when they expanded there because the coffee culture that was there, they didn't really fully grasp how sophisticated coffee drinkers are in Australia. Cafes and stuff, it's all built out really well. Apparently, this has to do with migration once upon a time from Europeans, specifically Italians and Greeks, to Australia. How about that for a little tidbit? Jack, you didn't expect that. Okay, so Starbucks had to pull back. In fact, they had to close a bunch of stores in Australia because I think I maybe even watched that clip right there, why Starbucks failed in Australia. Very interesting. It's a different market in that sense. Like Starbucks came to Canada and just forget about it. It was like America 2.0 for them in terms of success. Not so much in Australia. They closed two-thirds of their stores. They did not understand the culture. I know as well, Australia has some really nice places. My cousin, for example, he stayed in Brisbane, Gold Coast area, beaches, condos, very uh, Miami Vice type of situation going on. So you can have that lifestyle if you live there as well. Uh, Ultimately, it's a giant country, sparsely populated. That's a very Canadian thing as well. You got a few cities and most of the population is distributed amongst them. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate visiting. I'm sure I would get, get, I'd fit right in beyond the accent. I'd fit right in. Shrimp and the whole thing. Crocodile Dundee, all of it. Mad Max. Mel Gibson. <laughs> Just, this is so stereotypical. It's, it's disgusting. I like the Starbucks tidbit more. I love Australia. I, I don't know when I'm coming, but I love it. And I like that they started with Good Day. You see that, Jack? Just to get the point across, in case you didn't know. Surfing. Sharks. Uh, <laughs> Are you just naming things? I'm just naming things. That, uh, what do I, what is the, what kind of people do you, do I assume you are? Hardy. Hardy people, you know. Uh, good character, I should hope. Nice. Polite. That lady doesn't, didn't look as polite. She's yelling. But she's a politician. She says, politics is toxic for Australian women. Don't click on that, Will. We're not taking it there. We're not taking it there. Uh, Capital city, Canberra. I knew that. Diverse, right? People came from all over the place to also migrate for a lifestyle in Australia. Uh, uh, Australia, the only country which is also a continent. You see? I think the people are a lot like Canadians. I think I, I think the people are, are pretty cool based on my experience up until this point. So shout out, Australia. One more question, Will. What do you think about footwear and technology and their role in the future? Hmm. This is a, a, a footwear technology question. We've talked about this. We thought about this. Obviously, uh, I like to wear some sneakers. And I've made a few videos on sneakers. Will's bringing up the Nike Adapt BB. And that was a self-lacing sneaker, very tech-advanced. You can go watch the video on Unbox Therapy if you haven't seen it yet. It has an app to go with it. I mean, this is a possible progression of the 
merging of footwear and technology, custom fit stuff, tighten it from the app, different fits for different environments and events, wireless charging. It was a cool shoe. Of course, there's other shoe tech. We saw that one from New Balance they were supposed to send us, right? Mm -hmm. With the e-ink, so you could kind of change the look of it. The look of the, uh, it has a display on the sole. I mean, or, or also on the logo. Customize the look with some e-ink tech. That's very cool. We should hit them up again. They were like supposed to send this over to look at, and they didn't. Yeah, they just stopped. They answer. just stopped talking to us. I blame you. I'll hit you them do. up again. I, you, you scared them away. Yeah. It was the part where you sent them that picture that you shouldn't have. I was too aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, you got to ease up, Will. It's the slow sale. You know, you can't be a... Play the long game. Play the long game, Will. You can't be all in from the get-go. All right. Patience is a virtue. So, but you can hit them back up now because it's been a minute, as the youngsters say. So, yeah, these types of innovations, I can see it. Uh, E-Ink, custom sneaker on the fly, or an app and a self-lacing. Those are good examples. Honestly, simple things for me in a more practical sense, like Ultra Boost, like the sole being so much more comfortable. I'm wearing these things. I got 10 pairs over there now. So shout out Ultra Boost. It's like, it's just, apparently this material has a pretty cool story how it came to be and exist in, in Adidas Souls. And I haven't looked back since. So the tech can happen in a few different ways. What else can your shoe do for you? I've seen actually interesting insoles, uh, tech-infused insoles that could track your steps, your workouts, things like this. So we can see that as well. Lots happening. Tech's going to go everywhere. Tech is everything. Tech is culture now. And so, and it always has been key part of human culture, tech, advancement, evolution, so forth. What a time to be alive. I think it's better than 1955. Even though that's where I was going to go, check it out, drink a milkshake. And I'm happy to exist with every single one of you out there. We're all here right now. Imagine the opportunity. You get to wake up. You get to choose. You could have a coffee. You could be a Starbucks. Or you could skip out and go to the independent little cafe there like, your, like our Australian friends. Have a little, um, little foam on the top in a fancy pattern. You could, have, uh, you could make some toast. You could have a fancy breakfast. It's incredible. There's so many opportunities out there. What's the limitation? It's just you. That's it. Motivation. Limitation. Motivation. So, we're going to leave it there. See you tomorrow.